the Gilda's maximum lawyers community of legal entrepreneurs who are taking their businesses and lives to the next level. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships, be held accountable, and learn strategies specifically designed to get you unstuck and accelerate your plan for growth. Members are also granted exclusive access to masterminds hosted around the country. Our next event is coming up, and we're heading to Scottsdale, Arizona. There's something truly magical about the power of these in-person connections where real-time breakthroughs happen. Picture this. You're surrounded by like-minded law firm owners tackling your business and mindset challenges together. The energy is electric, the insights are transformative, and the results are game-changing. Investing in yourself is the best decision you'll ever make. The knowledge, strategies, and breakthroughs you'll gain are priceless assets that will supercharge your practice and propel you forward. Join the Guild and secure your ticket to Scottsdale at the best possible price by visiting maxlawevents.com. In the last 17, 18 years, obviously the web has exploded and the users themselves have changed in their attitudes. And now it's more about, you know, how quickly can they get on the phone with you? How quickly can they engage with you? They're not submitting a form and waiting, you know, 12 hours to the next morning for someone to call them back. And AdWords is great in industries like mine where you've got a tight time frame after somebody would have gotten arrested where they need information and they need to talk to a lawyer. Run your law firm the right way. The right way. This is the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Your hosts, Jim Hacking and Tyson Mutrix. Let's partner up and maximize your firm. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. I'm Jim Hacking. And I'm Tyson Mutrix. What's up, Jimmy? Oh, Tyson, I did my second Tough mutter over the weekend, and I am quite sore and banged up at the moment. I got bruises. I got scrapes. My arms are really sore. If I have to lift anything over shoulder level, it's, like, very painful. That's pretty awesome. I saw your, your pick on Facebook, and just the second year you've done it, Pretty cool. I've never done it. It looks like it's a lot of fun. Do you have fun doing it? You'd be great. You should totally do it. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I'm weak on is the upper body stuff, which is probably about three or four of the events, but you would totally do great, especially if you trained a little bit for it. I think you'd really enjoy it. You know, it's funny. In uh, One of my favorite things at the Army was going through the obstacle courses because I killed it. I just killed the obstacle courses. So uh, I I think I really would enjoy it. I just got to get around to doing it. All right, buddy. Let's get going with our guest of the week. I am pretty freaking excited about it. We're going to talk a little bit about AdWords. you want to introduce our guest or do you want me to do it? You go for it. All right. So our guest of the week is Jay Ruane. He is a phenomenal attorney, I think. Well, Jay has a really, really good team as well. So I don't know, Jay, how much you really practice anymore. I think you practice still a little bit. I know we had you on the pop-up podcast previously to talk about with some prior representation. If I understand correctly, I think you may have sort of, you're kind of running more of the firm than you are actually practicing. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. I, you know, I'm sort of more an administrator now than uh, than ever before, but I'm still in the business to some extent. I got two court appearances this week, uh, one on Wednesday, one on Thursday. Uh, so I'm still out there. I still am dipping my foot in the pond, but I'm not in court every day as I manage my team of 12 lawyers, uh, soon to be 14. We're adding two more uh, in the next couple of weeks. So I'm doing more of a mentorship to the younger attorneys and sort of uh, calling plays rather than being on the field. Jay, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, how you got drawn into the legal field. 
Okay, so I grew up in Connecticut, uh, went to college out in Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, moved back home, got a job working in a bar, really had no plan uh, for my life at that point. I had always thought that law was possibly a future for me because my father was a lawyer. He had a, a small criminal defense practice at the time. He was first a public defender, then an associate at a small firm, then struck out on his own when, when I was starting off in college. I came home from college, really had no guidance, worked in a bar, worked for a law firm sort of during the day, had to figure out what I was going to do, decided to apply to law school, got into UConn Law School, sort of hated it for the first two years, just was dying to get out because as everybody who's actually practiced law knows, law school has nothing to do with the practice of law. Found my way into the criminal clinic up at UConn my third year, finally made some friends in law school had a blast and uh, hit the ground running uh, ever since. I started off my career as a public defender, did that for two and a half years in a probably a, a good moment for me, um, but thought it was bad at the time. I got passed over for a permanent job, so I tendered my notice, struck out on my own, hung a shingle, got an empty desk at my father's office, and uh, started building from there. So, Jay, your, your law school experience was very similar to mine. Uh, I hated the first year. The second year is whenever I started to kind of come into my own, and I, I took trial advocacy, and I just loved it. I loved the professor, and it kind of changed things for me. So you and I had kind of similar experiences. That was the first year. Just it just sucked. It was just miserable. All you do is re- you read, and you don't really do a whole lot of like activity kind of stuff. The stuff that you really you know, the practicing kind of thing. So really hated it. But let's talk a little bit more about your just your role in the firm. So what's the setup of the firm? Who's in your firm? What specifically do you do as running the firm? So my firm, I guess you would say that I am uh, co-equal partners with my father. My father, who's at the uh, starting to begin the wind down of his practice. We've been partners since 2001 when we opened up uh, our doors together. He left his former partnership. In addition to myself, I have uh, another non-equity partner, who manages our second location for us. She's been with me since she got out of law school. She's actually, we're, we're sort of a family firm, uh, right? Because it's myself and my father that started the firm. And my, our other partner, Teresa, is my sister's best friend. She had gone to law school, thought she was going to be get a job working for the IRS, came in, couldn't get the job, needed a job. And I said, yeah, let's bring her in. And Teresa, who's been like a sister to me and my sister's best friend, is, has been with us ever since she started practicing. So she is the lady DUI of our business. We've built a whole uh, business around her as being a DUI defense lawyer, in addition to myself handling DUI cases for the last uh, 18 years. Yeah, so I basically run the day-to-day operations of the firm. I oversee all the marketing, and I have Teresa running the lawyers up in our Weathersfield, Connecticut office, which is a suburb of Hartford, the capital. My father runs the lawyers down in the Shelton office. And I handle the administration, the marketing, the strategic decisions, the long-term planning, the operational side, you know, negotiating with vendors, dealing with our landlords. And then I handle a select number of cases uh, every year. And I also am involved with the mentorship of, of the associates. I tend to hire associates without a lot of experience, people coming out of clerk's offices or right out of law school. Um, and so we do a lot of hands-on training. I feel like that's a way for me to give back to the legal community is to teach younger lawyers uh, the, the tricks of the trade and, and, and how to do this thing that's, a, a, you know, representing people. You know, I, we don't represent corporations. We represent real people with real problems. And that's something I think is, is 
a problem with the legal profession is because there's a lot of lawyers who are just sort of hanging a shingle because the job opportunities aren't there. But there's a lot of people out there who need lawyers. They might not just be able to afford the, the, the costs that go along with uh, hiring a lawyer. So that's really what I do on a daily basis. Jay, walk us through how your firm has grown uh, attorney-wise and sort of how did you know when to grow? What were the things that went through your mind and how did you prepare for taking on more and more attorneys? So my firm really sort of had a, had a small footprint. We had four lawyers, myself, my father, uh, Teresa, who's an associate. We had another associate, uh, Sean Barrett, who was with us for the longest time. And then at the time, that Sean, who was with us before law school, during law school and graduating, he had a, a couple of friends who had interned with us, and they were coming out of law school with no job opportunity here in the state. And in Connecticut, the lack of the job opportunity was really frustrating a lot of younger lawyers uh, coming into the market. And the way the efficiencies or the inefficiencies of the state court system in Connecticut is something that was, was plaguing us as a firm at the time. We were in a situation where courts were really opening, you know, at 9 a.m. Judges wouldn't take the bench until 10, which is our normal practice. And then the courts would recess by one o'clock for the day. So I really had a small three-hour window where if we were going to be representing people in court, we needed to have multiple lawyers available to cover those windows in multiple courts because it wasn't becoming possible to handle two or three courts in a day like it was when I first started practicing. Just the delays at the courthouse and, and the inefficiencies made it so that I needed to have more bodies. And unfortunately, the revenue wasn't there to do that. So I actually had gone to um, the state public defender system. They have a system for assigned counsel in conflict cases. I found that they were at a, at a distinct disadvantage. They didn't have enough lawyers to handle the habeas corpus cases. As you know from my prior discussion about the Marquise Jackson case, we do a lot of uh, post-conviction work as part of our practice. So I brokered a deal with the state and said, hey, look, if you can guarantee me a certain number of, of files every year, I'll be in a situation where I can, I can have associates handle those files in the off hours, and they would be available to me during the morning time. So it was really a business decision because we had a volume of business, and we just needed more bodies, but I couldn't afford the bodies that I needed, so I found a way to pay for them by getting a state contract. So I'm in a rather unique situation. And that really accelerated our growth. We went from having four lawyers to having 14 lawyers at our max in about a three-year period. We grew by leaps and bounds. I love it. And then if you've not heard the Marquise Jackson episode or the pop-up podcast, go back and listen to it. I can't remember when we recorded that, Jay, but it was a few months ago. Really, really good episode. So uh, check that out. All right, so Jay, I've been sitting on my hands, been wanting to ask you this question this entire time, but I, I didn't want to jump right into it. So let's get started with AdWords. Let's talk a little bit about it. I guess, tell us about the basics of AdWords if you want to get started with AdWords. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about how I stumbled upon it. And it really sort of happened because I was starting to transition and focus my practice on DUI defense, knowing that those were the people arrested for criminal cases that actually had money. And I called up after I, after I branched out on my own, left the public defender's office, I called up the local Yellow Pages company and said, hey, I want to place an ad in, in, your, in your phone book. And the, they said, oh, that closed a couple of weeks ago. You're, you're shut out for the next year. So I really hadn't, had no idea what I was going to do at that point. So my brother, who had helped me set up a, a short little website, 
we decided to focus our advertising online because I figured that was the only way I was going to start to get get clients at that point. Google had rolled out their AdWords platform um, earlier that year. So in November, I placed my first advertisement using pay-per-click. Um, and it was for the phrase CTDUI. And the click cost me five cents. And uh, it had a 10% click-through rate, which is unbelievable to think about that I was able to get a click for five cents. And, and it had a, a click-through rate of 9.9% of on the uh, interface. Once I did that, I started to realize that there was a lot of opportunity online and I wanted to focus my attention on that because I figured there weren't a lot of lawyers online. So I sort of, you know, jumped right in haphazardly, I guess at, at first, just throwing up keyword combinations and doing a lot of broad match searches. So I could find myself uh, on the receiving end of phone calls and, and clicks. And uh, back then we would have really involved forms on our website and people would fill out these, you know, 40-page questionnaires on our on our website. And we found that those were phenomenal leads because they were the early adopters themselves. They were people that were using the Internet back in 2002 to find information. And they had no problem giving up that information. And the speed wasn't necessarily really as important to them. In the last 17, 18 years, you know, obviously the web has exploded. And the users themselves have changed in their attitudes. And now it's more about, you know, how quickly can they get on the phone with you? How quickly can they engage with you? They're not submitting a form and waiting, you know, 12 hours till the next morning for someone to call them back. And AdWords is great in industries like mine, where you've got a tight time frame after somebody would have gotten arrested, where they need information and they need to talk to a lawyer. It may not necessarily be the best for other industries where um, people need to contemplate something over a long period of time. You know, the pay-per-click costs for uh, a divorce lawyer are going to be exceptionally high, and they may not be converting as quickly. So you may be blowing through a large amount of your budget. Whereas on the criminal side, if they have a court date in the next two or three weeks, you know, you're going to get a phone call based off a pay-per-click ad pretty quickly, convert them, and get money in the door. So you can fund yourself pretty quickly if you're doing pay-per-click for, you know, speeding tickets and, and, and DUI defense and criminal defense uh, in general. So I found a lot of success doing that. And of course, over the years, more and more competitors have gotten into the field to compete against me, driving up my click costs, et cetera. Jay, what happens after somebody clicks on the Google ad to walk us through the funnel or what happens after that? So we've actually started to dial back on our AdWords stuff because we're finding that we're able to really tailor our marketing to really get the people who are in the position to, to make a, a hiring decision pretty quickly. We're no longer advertising generic terms out there to drive people to information on our website because we're finding that people are finding our website organically based on all the content that we have. But after somebody clicks, now we're actually going to a call-only ad, and they're clicking and calling and connecting with our office and talking to somebody anywhere from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., seven days a week. We have a live person in the office able to answer those calls and able to uh, direct them to the information that they need and then tee them up to talk to one of the lawyers in the office who can uh, go through the process. And we, I would say we close probably 94% of our clients on the phone and get them to retain you know, within the first four days of contact. Jay, what are some of the biggest obstacles if someone's going to jump into it today and they've never done it? Like, what are some of the things that or some of the mistakes that people will make that, they, that you can maybe tell them now so they won't make them? 
one of the biggest mistakes I think people make, especially when it comes to adware, is thinking that more money is going to get them better results. And I think that that's just a, a misunderstanding of how the AdWords auction system works. I mean, what you have to realize is, is Google is in the business of making money, right? Just like, just like any other business that's out there. So if I'm willing to spend $10 for a click, and we'll use that, and for every 100 times my uh, ad is shown, I get 10 clicks, that's going to make Google $100, right? And if you are willing to spend $25 a click, but for every hundred times it's shown, you only get clicked on twice. You've only made Google $50. So Google would rather put me, who makes them more money, even though I'm willing to pay less for that click, in a better position to get them revenue than it is somebody who's willing to spend more. So in that respect, just because you have a large bankroll doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the one who's going to get the most clicks and get the best position on the search engine results page. So one of the biggest mistakes people have, I see, when they get involved in pay-per-click is that they want to throw a lot of money at it right up front. And so they can blow through their budget by having very broad keywords, not limiting themselves geographically, and those types of things. So what you really want to do is you actually, you know, it goes back to the whole concept. You want to sort of fulfill a niche. And if you are able to fulfill that niche online, you can have a very high click-through rate at a very low cost. You're going to make Google money. They'll be happy with you. Um, but you're also going to get very highly targeted and viable client prospects from that interaction. So one of the biggest mistakes I see when I, when I have done some assisting other lawyers with building out their AdWords campaign is they say, well, what if I throw 10 grand at it this month? Or what if I, you know, I just settled a case and I want to spend $15,000 and say, well, you could blow through that 15 grand, but wouldn't you rather spend 500 and actually get people that, that can actually use you right now? You know, so that's the, that's the biggest thing. There's a tendency to want to have the widest net, but the widest net doesn't necessarily catch the fish that you want. Jay, what about the content of the ad? You know, what language do you use? What's the copy? What's your mindset when you're sort of drafting a new Google ad? So one of the things that I have found in all my years of doing this is that 99% of all lawyer advertisement is ego-based lawyer advertisement. It's, let me tell you how great I am. Let me tell you about my awards. Let me tell you about the things that matter to me. I have an a Martindale AV rating. You know what that means to the person on the street who just got arrested? Absolutely nothing, right? What we need to do is we need to get in the mindset of the consumer when you're building out your ads. And those are the ones that are going to get clicks, the, the people that, the ads that resonate with the people who are facing the problem that needs a lawyer. So we'll run our ads that'll talk about, you know, concerned about losing your driver's license. Click here for more information. Talk to a lawyer in the next 10 minutes. You know, that's one of the biggest questions that people have. You know, when am I going to talk to a lawyer? We can set something up right now. Putting out there that you've got an AV rating or that you're the biggest law firm in, in your county or that you've tried hundreds of cases. What I have found in my experience is that the idea of a trial is so frightening to so many clients that it's actually one of the least clicked on ads. We actually don't use that in any of our ads anymore because clients want to think that 
Number one, their case is not so complicated that would go to trial. Or two, that there's going to be a way to find out because they know trials are risky and expensive. So what we try to do is we try to give them the information that, you know, there are ways to resolve these cases short of trial. Of course, we're able to go the distance if that resolves, but we don't have to necessarily get there on our initial phone call or on our initial intake. You know, we're not talking about that to them because we're not trying to scare them into hiring somebody. We want to give them as much information as possible. And I think that's one of the great things about a good pay-per-click campaign is that if you have a good pay-per-click campaign, you might be providing them information on their on your website that they can spend hours looking at the website and really getting as, as informed as possible. I mean, people nowadays want to be informed. And I think that's one of the problems with the car salesmen nowadays, right? Because, you know, 20 years ago, someone would walk into a car dealer and the guy would have to know a little bit about each car there. Um, now, when I go to buy a car, I'm walking into a dealership. I know everything about the car that I want to buy. And the dealer... The, the guy who's trying to sell it to me has to, has to know more than me, and that's almost impossible. We're dealing with the same thing with people you know, um, who are trying to consume legal services. They're going out, and they're spending hours. I mean, it's not unusual for me to have a, you know, a client who does want to have a sit-down in the office. They'll come in, and they'll say, I read every page of your website, and I printed out 450 pages of this stuff. I have some questions for you. I mean, that, that happens. You know, those are usually the people who want to come in because they're going to be sort of a high-maintenance client to begin with. But they are consuming the content that you put out there. So you want to not only have a rich pay-per-click campaign, but you want to have a good organic you know, content program on your website so that you can engage those people and give them what they're looking for. Hey, Jay, where should people start? What's like, point number one? Like, where do they go to? Is it AdWords Express? Do you, do you recommend doing full-blown AdWords? What do you, where should someone start? Well, I know some lawyers have had a lot of success with AdWords Express. I've never used the platform simply because I started long before AdWords Express even existed. And so I've never really had any opportunity to use it. But what I know about it is that it's, you know, it's like training wheels. It, it walks you through the process. It gets you to have a small footprint on pay-per-click. And if that's what you need to get yourself active, I would absolutely go for it. I mean, not, Google's not going to put out a product um, that's going to not provide you with some sort of results. And the AdWords Express program is designed to make it as easy as possible for people to start the whole rolling. But in, in my experience, you know, using the AdWords interface, as you get to know, and, and there's been a learning curve for myself over the years. I'm not a big fan of the new interface that they rolled out uh, recently. I like the old classic style because once I learn something, I don't want to have to learn a different way to do the same thing. But, you know, if you can get involved with anything, start with AdWords Express. And if you have a little more experience and you're going to work with AdWords itself, that's certainly, uh, certainly more robust. There's more options that you can use. Certainly um, using negative lists is, is one of the most important things you can do with any AdWords campaign because negatives, uh, you know, that would be my, my biggest thing that, that everybody should think about is, is curating a negative list so that you are not spending money on people who are never going to hire you. But, uh, yeah, AdWords or AdWords Express are both opportunities for you to really sort of take over and, and, and establish yourself online in that, in that top position that's going to get you uh, the most eyeballs and, uh, you know, the, the, the most opportunity to convert. I mean, think about it this way. Google knows where people look on their page, and that's where they're putting ads. You know, so that's, that's why people click on the number one link, even if it's paid or it's organic. They're, they're going to click on it. Jay, what about 
I'm always worried about running Google ads because I'm worried about just money going down the drain and me not knowing or understanding exactly how it all works. How do you tell when an ad is working or not working? Like what's your thought process as you're watching the analytics on a particular ad that you run? So that, you know, click fraud is something that, that plagued the system, I think, early on where, you know, you would have a competitor who was clicking on your ad and that was costing you money. One of the things that we like to do ourselves is we direct the ads to go to a specific landing page on our website that is a lot more sort of sales oriented than our organic pages that people might find because we want to get people who are, who are, we're spending money for. We want to put ourselves in the best position to convert them as clients so that they're in a position to basically fund their own uh, advertising campaign, right? So if we're paying, you know, a hundred dollars for that click, we really want that person to convert. So, you know, when they pay us a fee of $3,500, it, it sort of covers the cost that it was to, to market to them. And there are opportunities for you to use tracking numbers through call tracking metrics or call rail or any one of those services. I use those services for a while. I didn't find a lot of value in them because Unfortunately, with us, we're not selling widgets online. We're not something where it's 100% of a digital transaction. There is a lot more possibility for people to get your name. I mean, everyone's been in a situation where you ask somebody, oh, how'd you find me? And they say, oh, I Googled you. And then you're standing next to them in the court and they're like, yeah, you know, my friend told me about you and then I ran your name by somebody else. And so it's really not an online conversion. They just happen to look for your phone number online. So in that respect, you can never be 100% sure where your people are coming from, be they online or offline. But I want to be in a situation where we are tracking our cost per conversion online and our cost per acquisition online. And we try to stay within a certain time frame where our, our acquisition costs are you know, under $300 per client. Our cost per lead is in the 150 and under per person. So that's how we've set it up as being a reasonable cost given our years of doing this business and, and tracking online. And we can see where our business rises or our business falls, depending on what we're spending on, uh, on our, all of our paid advertising, either it's Bing or on, uh, on Google. So, Jay, what are your thoughts on companies, and I'm not sure if uh, Yodel still exists, but companies like Yodel that will provide this service for you. So, basically, they set up your AdWords account, you give them a certain amount of money to and then you throw in some more money to pay them to run the ads. What are your What are your thoughts on those types of companies? Well, I think those companies can provide a resource, but if you've made it all the way through law school, you're pretty smart. And the programs that they have, like AdWords Express, are really sort of set up so that you can do it yourself. And I'm I'm a cheap SOB, right? So if I can say, all right, well, if I'm going to spend $1,000 a month with Yodel and they'll keep 500 and put 500 into ads, and uh, that's just an example. I don't know what their percentages were. I'd rather take the $1,000 at a Friday night and then have $1,000 going towards the ads. Why should I pay somebody else if I can do it myself? And I know that's an amazing thing to say as a lawyer who, you know, decries the situation where I see a person representing themselves pro se. But I think in, in you know, in, in, in certain situations, it's better to learn enough about a product so that you can understand it. So when those vendors come in, you can ask them pointed questions. I have been in situations where I've outsourced my pay-per-click for a while. And I've had vendors that I've, that I've trusted, that I've developed really good relationships with. 
over the years to make sure that I was doing things correctly. And I've been in situations where I've had a vendor come in, take a look at my paper quick and say, you know what, you're doing 90% of the stuff right. I would make these little changes. There's no point in you hiring me. And then I've had other vendors who come in and say, oh, I have a whole new idea of how to approach something. And some of those, I would say, are the kind of vendors that you meet at PubCon or any of the big marketing expos. I had a really great relationship with Susan Wintergrad as a pay-per-click expert. I met her at a seminar, sat down with her, and in 15 minutes, she's like, let's crack open your AdWords and take a look and see if there's anything we can do. And so that developed into a, into a friendship and a great relationship. She's phenomenal at what she does, and I, I'm not hiring her anymore. I hired her to set me up with some new campaigns, and then I'm on my own to manage them. Um, and every now and then, I'll shoot her an email or a question. She'll give me a, her honest opinion and shoot it back. The, the problem with these companies that do it, I found, is that the companies themselves are sending me a salesperson and not necessarily the person who knows what they're doing. And that's the same thing with the Google's AdWords reps. You know, If you have an AdWords campaign, you'll get a call from somebody saying, I'm your AdWords rep. I haven't found much success with them. There's plenty of forums online about people who've had big, bad experiences with them. All they ever seem to really want you to do is spend more money because I think they're an outside company. They're not Google employees. They're an outside company whose job it is to increase, increase spend and not necessarily ask you about your business and how they can spend your money wiser. So I'm always cautious when I'm dealing with outside vendors. I know there are some great ones out there. But I also know that it's, it's an important metric as a business owner for me to have enough knowledge so that I can make strategic business decisions for myself. I've, t- I've been in situations where I've taken my pay-per-click offline for two or three months because, you know, we were bleeding money. I couldn't figure out why. And, and, and that's when I found that, you know, adding the negatives to the uh, keywords was a huge, huge help to really curating my list and making sure I was getting the right type of traffic and not just spending money uh, wildly. Jay, have you done anything with Facebook ads? Oh, yeah. I've done a lot with Facebook ads. In fact, we're rolling out a whole new campaign for a couple of websites utilizing Facebook ads. And the thing that you really have to understand about Facebook and versus, say, Google and Bing is that the customer itself is in a different part of the customer lifecycle. You know, Google is great at giving you the client um, who is ready to buy today. And that's who I, you know, that's who we focus on in our landing pages, in our ad copy, et cetera, when we're doing pay-per-click advertising, right? We're looking for somebody who's going to convert in the next seven days uh, in their life cycle. So even if they don't convert on day one of talking to us, they're getting an email drip campaign, they're getting daily follow-ups by either phone message or text message and that type of thing. But we know, you know, if they don't convert in the next 10 days, the likelihood of them converting after that is is slim, right? Facebook, on the other hand, is a cold audience. I think that's part of the problem, I think, for a lot of lawyers, is that really the only advertisement that lawyers have ever done has been to warm or hot audiences, right? So, you know, back when Bates versus Arizona came out, it was uh, lawyers could place Yellow Pages ads. Well, no one's perusing the Yellow Pages for a lawyer on a Saturday night because they're interested in information. They're going to the Yellow Pages when they got to hire a lawyer for something that's come up. Same thing with Google, these pay-per-click ads. They're Googling for a lawyer, a Connecticut DUI attorney or a Missouri immigration attorney, when they've decided they need to make that purchase decision. Facebook, on the other hand, people aren't going to Facebook for, you know, for those types of searches. They may be on Facebook, and the way I sort of 
I talk about it when I'm giving presentations on the topic is Facebook is like a cocktail party, right? You know, if, if I were a, a DUI lawyer, I wouldn't bring up the fact that I was a DUI lawyer until the conversation started to turn around, hey, what can I tell you about a DUI that you need to know? Facebook, you need to take these audiences from being cold to being warm so you can put out information. And the great thing about Facebook is that as you share more information on your page, you can then target the people that engage with that information, right? So, you know, if you put out information generally in the Denver, Colorado area about immigration law, you could say, okay, I'm going to send it to everybody that's 18 to 65, then take that core audience that have engaged with your content and market to those people or remarket to the people that have been on your website. Those are people who are a little bit warmer, right? Those are the people that are interested in your stuff to at least engage enough with it. And then you take those people who have engaged with it and you warm them up by giving them more information or maybe show them some reviews of your stuff or some results that a client uh, is talking about. And then they see a little bit more and you're, so you're taking them from cold to hot on the social media versus taking them from hot to red hot on Google or Bing in pay-per-click and that are ready to convert on, on, you know, at the drop of a hat. So it's a different approach, you know, and, and part of the biggest problem for lawyers is they're like, well, I'm going to drop $5,000 on Facebook and that should get me, you know, X number of clients because that's what it worked on Google. Well, it doesn't work like that on Facebook because it's a different type of audience expecting a different type of product. So Facebook is great, but you have to have the right approach to Facebook. You can't expect it to give you the same types of results as pay-per-click because it's just not built that way and the people aren't there for that. There's a lot of resources out there. You know, my big thing is to is to just start small, see how it works, and then grow from there. Because the great thing about the AdWords Express interface is that you can actually like press a button and transfer over into the to the bigger interface. So you know, when you're ready to go, you you're ready to step up to the to the big leagues. They make it very simple for you to do that. All right, Jay, we want to be respectful for your time. Thank you so much for coming on. Before we give our tips and our hacks of the week. I want to make sure to remind everyone to go to the Facebook group. We've got a bunch of new members there, a lot of great discussion going on over there, so please check us out over there. Then also, I was looking at reviews of other legal podcasts, and there is some podcasts out there that have more reviews than us, and I don't feel like they should. So if you all will focus this week, please, on giving us a review. We would really, really appreciate it. Give us those five stars, because I think, um, because of the guests that we have and the group we have on the Facebook, this is the best legal podcast out there. And it has nothing to do with me or Jim. It has everything to do with our listeners and our, and our guests. So please go there and give us five-star reviews. Jimmy, what's your hack of the week? My hack of the week is a book called The Coaching Habit by Michael Bungay Stanier. It was part of Pat Flynn's uh, Book of the Month Club. I like the format of it, and it sort of gives some good tips and advice. There's sort of seven steps that he has on how to be a good coach in an office setting. I've enjoyed it so far. It's called The Coaching Habit. Very cool. All right, Jay, what is your tip or hack of the week? So one of the things that I like to do is really curate my uh, negative list on, on Google. And one of the things that I've been able to do, you know, you're going to want to add in cheap, free discount stuff because you're not necessarily going to be looking to advertise to people that want something for free because they might not ever pay you. But one of the things you can do is go back like I did and take a list of the top 100 baby names for the last 50 or so years. We did male and female. 
be sure to take your own name out of it because a lot of people in my in my field might hear that their friend got arrested for a DUI or them themselves got arrested for a DUI and they're looking to see if there's any newspaper coverage. So they might type in, you know, John Smith DUI. Well, if they're just being looky-loos and they're not necessarily being, you know, they're not the person who's looking for uh, to hire somebody. They're just looking for gossip. You don't want to be advertising to them. So what if you, what you do is you take all of those first names and you create a negative list out of them, being sure to take your own name out of it because if somebody heard about J. Ruane, DUI lawyer, you want them to be able to find you. But you can eliminate a lot of bad clicks for when people are searching for gossip and not necessarily searching for a lawyer by eliminating all the first, the common first names in your area. So that would be my uh, tip of the week. Boom. Jay just saved everybody thousands of dollars. You're welcome. That's a really good one. All right. So my tip of the week is to actually check out our boy Ryan McKean's book, Empower Yourself, A Practical Guide to Connecticut Personal Injury Law. If you want to see how to write a book, look at his book. Buy his book. You can get on Amazon. If you ask me, probably you know, get a copy of his book. He's that nice of a guy. But Support him. He's one of our, our previous guests, one of our listeners. So check out his book. It's a really, really cool book. So check it out. Jay, thank you so much for coming on. This has been fantastic. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, guys. All right. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Lawyer Podcast. Maximum Lawyer Podcast. To stay in contact with your host and to access more content, more content. go to MaximumLawyer.com. MaximumLawyer.com. Have a great week and catch you next time.